Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 584 of La 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 Longbox Heroes, the La 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 Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I think I did this to Adam on Ad Odds this past week. He got musical as well, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to step on him because I'm like, let's see how much he sings for. Oh, no, this was going to be a quick one. I was just dropping the la-las like, uh, you know, like my favorite new cartoon Christmas special. We'll get into that. Yep, I'm not jumping the gun. I'm just telling you where it came from. <laughs> um. So, yeah, what do we got on the show this week? Uh, um, no small talk. I want to get to bed at a reasonable time this week. It should be a short show. Here we go. Ah, no, you're not <laughs> supposed to say it. I know. In news, more rumors and innuendo of where the G.I. Joe and Transformer properties could land. And on a somber note, a legend, true legend in the industry, uh, had some sad news today. Um, We have conventions, digital sales, what we read last week, which was the human target number two, um, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues with the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Um, I don't think there was any art attack. So at the end of the show, we should have a spoiler-filled TV talk of Hawkeye, uh, the Bebo Christmas special, and uh, much to your chagrin, the uh, season finale of Doctor Who. I know you're upset, but we'll get to it. So, Oh, and we'll save sh- that for the end, too, huh? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh-huh. I don't know how much... Well, never mind. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> know how much chagrin it actually is since uh, it's over. I mean, well, dang, it's over. What am I going to do? Well, just wait till New Year's Day. So, or Eve, I forget which one. I got no choice but to wait, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, we did have an art attack this week. How dare you? Oh, we did? Oh, okay. And we'll get into it when we get into it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, let's get into the news. Now, last week... Uh, there was rumor and innuendo bandying about from the floors of San Diego Comic-Con. And then this week, there was even more rumor and innuendo regarding all of this. Uh, so the little bit of drips and drabs that were coming out was that IDW at some time next year, and again, next year, three weeks from <laughs> now, uh, was going to be losing, as they said, the Transformers and G.I. Joe licenses, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we talked a couple of weeks prior where IDW had just recently lost um, the Marvel Action, which was the all-ages book, and then the Star Wars all-ages books. Obviously, no word on the Marvel all-ages action book, but the Star Wars all-ages stuff ended up going back to Dark Horse. So I was sitting here thinking to myself, what else would... IDW have and then as I'm looking at the list of the properties because if G.I. Joe's going and Transformers are going one would have to assume that anything else that Hasbro owns that is being published through IDW would be going as well mm-hmm. um, which would include like My Little Pony on the right. reg um, Gem and the Holograms okay uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which you forget that now Hasbro owns. I, I didn't even know that, to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, well, so it was one of those things where um, Wizards of the Coast bought TSR when Magic had like the hot hand, like the suit, like Magic had Magic the Gathering had such a hot hand, they were showing Magic tournaments on ESPN. 
Right, which was genius. But yes, I remember. I remember uh, Wizards of the Coast buying TSR. That's his, that's the last I remember. Right. So then, within the last like five to ten years, Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast. Okay. Now, Magic the Gathering comics are over at Boom. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see where some of this stuff comes up because now there's rumblings, at the very least, that Transformers and GI Joe. We speculated off air that they would possibly be going back to Marvel, which is where they had originally been published back in the 80s. But now there's rumor that they might be going to Image. Right. Because if you remember, there was that G.I. Joe book in like the early 2000s that was at Image. And I think was it like Dreamwave Studios, whatever Jay Lee's independent publisher was, had the Transformers license. And I remember that because I was buying the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. They had Dreamwave had the license to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. So. So the reason I bring it up is it hasn't been this long since there's even been talk of so many of these properties shifting publishers in like 20 years, I'd say. Right. Right. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see where these things pop up because obviously IDW has Ninja Turtles. And I think the only other big licensed property they have left is Sonic the Hedgehog of all things, mm-hmm. which is big in its it, which is big in its own right, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see where all those properties go to. And when I was just putting the pieces together of like all the stuff that Hasbro owns that has comics out there, seeing Boom out there as an outlier, and Boom does a lot of licensed books as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see like if it all gets piecemealed out to different companies or they try to get everything in house or they just decide to do their own publishing. I think wherever it goes, it will be all in one. I don't think they're going to split up the pie. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think whoever want it will at least want GI Joe transformers together. So maybe they could do like shared universe stuff. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the good thing. But, um, I mean, I my, my Little Pony has possibilities, and so and I, I think Dungeons and Dragons is always, you know, if you do great stories and untapped potential. But uh, I don't know; it's just weird. And I completely forgot about Dreamwave being a part of Image, but I can't. I like everything going Image. Like I can't see Image proper doing licensed properties it seems like it's all independent stuff there you know what i mean it's like so it would be so weird to see image gi joe and transformers to me yes like the image the big, of today right with the big eye on the cover yeah so so that's why i'm thinking and again the magic of court magic the gathering books which just recently launched it launched it boom um makes me think that there might be a hiatus and you might even see like a new Hasbro line of publishing hmm. where it's just a new publisher, maybe through Random House, maybe through whomever, where it's just like Hasbro Comics. And it's just all those books are handled through themselves as opposed to shopping everything out to another care, like another carrier, another publisher, whatever. I could see that, but I just see so many companies like it's so much cheaper just to license things out than to keep that kind of stuff in house. We get we basically get a paycheck for doing nothing, and these people are equipped to do the things. You know what I mean? Like to us, we have to to do Hasbro. They have to open a new thing. They have to get editors. They have to do this. Where they're like, oh, we can do that, or we can just 
you know, uh, license it out to Titan and let them GI Joe and Transformers cross over with Doctor Who, and that's where it should go, Joe. No. Hmm. I don't want to see no transforming TARDIS. <laughs> I don't they... want to. See, I don't want to see Cobra Commander, and I'm not going to do a Cobra Commander impression. That's uh, whoever. But uh, him trying to steal the powers of the TARDIS and it being right. a five part epic or something. Right. Um, but I would like to see an actual transforming TARDIS into a robot. No, kind of I like don't. The, the kind of way they did like the Ecto one and the gig- gigawatt with the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah. So we could do all that and I'd buy it. Well, you buy it. I don't want stop mashing things up, you know. Right. So again, a lot of a lot of that stuff and other a lot of other rumors and stuff out there. Again, we don't typically deal in rumor and innuendo, but it's been like out there for two weeks, so we had to discuss it with some other rumory stuff that was out there that I couldn't find any real confirmation about. So you know, we'll keep that one close to the vest until we get some definitive confirmation on. Yeah, and we'll probably not have a lot of news between now and the end of the year because everybody, all the uh, editorial staffs, will be going on vacation. Right. Go all going to Tahiti. Yeah. But there was uh, some actual news, some factual news, and, uh, you know, some sad news, as it were. Um, Through his uh, Facebook page, uh, George Perez uh, let everyone know um, that about a week or so ago, as of this uh, recording, um, he had surgery, uh, for a blockage in his liver, and then he was diagnosed, uh, with stage three pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. uh, that he was informed that it was inoperable and that he has six months to a year left to live. Right. Now, uh, I'll say this, um, is what took my mother. So I know how difficult this is. Mm-hmm. And I tip my John Cena hat if I could add a little levity to this. Um, that, you know, it, I feel as though George making a decision for him to make this public, you know? Right. Because um, um, a lot of times people want to keep these sort of things private, you know, and then all of a sudden there's just word out that the person has passed. Like yes. we saw recently with Norm Macdonald a couple months ago. Um, yeah, and just I, I before you get into whatever um, you were going to say there, just the other part from this is he's like, well, there's business I have to take care of. I'm arranging for my art agent to refund money for sketches that I can no longer finish. Yep. Um, despite only having one working eye, I can still sign my name. Uh, I'm hoping to coordinate one last mass book signing. Um, and he's also hoping to make, uh, one last public appearance. Cause obviously if you remember early, like this year was supposed to be his, like, re- cause he officially retired, retired three years ago. And then mm-hmm. we talked about it here where he was doing his like retirement tour from conventions this past year, like 2021. Right. Well, he was making up the ones that COVID shut down. Right. Right. So it's like, oh, like I would have been done and retired, mm-hmm. but. You know, I want to fulfill my obligations, which I thought was stand up of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a bummer uh, to see anyone go through this. But it's also uh, I I, I don't want to say inspiring, but it's heartening to see 
all manners of the comic book community kind of rally behind George Perez and prop him up. Um, you know, in in his time of you know despair, as it were, mm-hmm. because he is a bona fide living legend from comic books. Yes, he is. Um, I'm just gonna backtrack a bit and say, like when you said about the sketches and stuff like that, that he's his art rep had a refund. I think that's the big reason that the news came out because literally only like three weeks ago, um, they just capped a sketch thing. And signatures, and it was like, um, because of his eye, he said he only has one eye and he's not feeling good, but he likes to draw, it made him happy. And all the money, this is what, you know, he had said, all the money that he get, would get from sketching, he would give to charity. That was like his thing. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. Um, but like he said, you know, with the diabetes, he had one eye and everything. But he was like, okay, I, I'm not feeling good, you know, my eye and everything. This is going to be my last sketching uh, op, I think, forever. Unless I feel, you know, better. He wants, he wanted to leave that open and all these people signed up and then he goes to the hospital and like, how do you give all that money back and do all this stuff and say, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. And then like, give no, like people would have been knowing that things were fishy right out of the, you know, something was up. He's sick. He's not well. And then he's going to be asked questions all the time. So I think the sketch op, like if he hadn't done that, or if he had, you know, it was after he was going to do it after the operation, they found out about it. He may have kept it quiet a little longer, but that's just my piece on it. Regardless, he gets to do whatever he wants. I think it's, you know, really cool that he's going to try and do one more, you know, uh, signing for the fans, which I, he does not owe them anything to do that, but that's really cool. But that being said all around, like you said, bona fide living legend, I was talking with this at somebody at the comic shop about this before I, you know, I, we, we, we recorded this and I'm like, he's legitimate, like show me a creator that's drawn more characters than George Perez. There's none. You want to say like, Oh, Jack Kirby prolific doing this, doing that. It's like, yeah, but George worked at both companies. He drew crisis. Some of infinity gauntlet. He drew that JLA Avengers crossover, which by the way, should be back in print as of right now because of this, that needs to be. Yeah. I saw people saying that Marvel and DC should like, you know, put get their put aside stuff whatever together. issues they're having mm-hmm. and get this out like yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. so that and like just so that George gets like another big paycheck from them, you know? Right. And I'm just like, like, who else has done what he's done? You know what I mean? Like, and he gave everything that he had in every issue that he ever did. Like, like those Avengers issues when he came back at, you know, when they came back after that. Uh, uh, Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return and everything. I mean, I could just go on. But to me, I don't know who else would be there. But I, I said this in a tweet earlier today, all joking aside, he's on the Mount Rushmore of comic book artists. I don't know who your other three are, but he's on there. Um, You know, obviously so much is like personal preference. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't imagine anyone arguing against George Perez. I, I totally agree. And that's that's one of those things like that stupid meme where it's like the guy sitting outside at the table and it says, I say X, change my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, OK, George Perez is one of the greatest artists in comics of all time. Convince me otherwise. Exactly. Impossible. Cannot mm-hmm. be done. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and you talked about, you know, obviously I had seen his stuff and, you know, you talk about Christ on infinite earth. You talk about what was, as we're doing previewing the past, there was that, um, DC cosmic crossover thing that he was doing alongside of some of the early infinity gauntlet stuff that like we had, like I had never heard of the war of the gods. Come on. The, the classic the uh, crossover right. war of the gods at DC. Oh, was that a cluster? <laughs> But obviously he did the Marvel versus DC thing, which was like in literal developmental hell for however many years, you know? Right. When um, he was doing, when he was literally signing exclusive contracts, the one caveat was, well, I, I can do, I, you know, I work for you exclusively unless JLA versus Avengers pops up. Then uh-huh. I get to do that. That was literally in the fine print on his contract. And that's that's something good to have in your contract. And I want to say um, a good recent follow, um, Comrade Bol- Bolsky, and that's Comrade underscore Bolsky, does a lot of, like, comics history stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just recently did one today where it's like everyone knows George Perez from X and Y and Z, but, like, here's a bunch of oddballs that he did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, sure, here's this, here's that. But, like, here he is doing, like, all the Ultra Force stuff for uh, Malibu. Here's the 90s redesign that he did on the Titans that everyone forgets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, here's, like, these unpublished, like, <laughs> Youngblood Year One things that he was supposed to do with the Rob, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he just goes through, like, all these. And it's, like I said, he's a great follow if you're a comic book person. Um, but he gets into like all the stuff that, you know, and like, oh, here's like the Logan's run comic book that he did for Marvel back in the seventies. Yep. And it's like all of the, like I said, all the oddities, but what he gets into it is, is there was a time in comics where your comic wasn't worth anything. If you did not have George Perez do a cover for you. Mm hmm. And he, uh, would he might not them. have done interiors, but he was, if you got him to do your cover, that meant so much to your book that gave your book so much more importance in the marketplace where there's hundreds of books that come out on a weekly basis, let alone on a monthly basis. But outside of the bells and the whistles and the cover gimmicks and the everything else, nothing beat a George Perez cover. No, I agree. And we were just talking about, like, you know, not to just bring it up to bring it up, but when we were doing preview in the past this week when we recorded, it was like, here's this book called Intruders, number one, you know, with no, Joe Schmoes as creators. And it's like with George Perez covers. And I even said, I said, I bet that looks looked amazing. You know what I mean? And right. George, to me, like had my, had one of my favorite quotes in comics. He was like he walked away. He walked away from comics because he could. You know what I mean? Like most creators are chained to the desk because they don't get residuals. They don't get this. They don't get, you know, all the money and the with the movies and everything. But George made so many characters and did so much stuff. He said, you know, I'm I'm retiring because I'm done with comics. And I get to say that before they're done with me. And that's what happens to creators. And George could have could someone would still let him do a cover at DC or Marvel, you know, if if he wanted to. But he's like, nah, I'm retired. I have all, he created all, all the, the new great Titans. You know what I mean? Like Raven and Cyborg and they're in the DC movies and in these Titans TV shows. Like you, you can't imagine, you know, well, you can because you know you're a fan. But how many characters he created and like the, just the impact that he had 
on the mm-hmm. on, on the thing. I'm sorry, I'm babbling, but it, it it genuinely hit me hard today when I saw that. I was like, I was genuinely sad. Yeah, and um, I'm with you. You know, uh, it's a bummer. Um, just kind of knowing what he's going to be going through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the remaining time that he has is as pain free as possible, and hopefully, he's on the year plus side of that ledger as opposed to the six month side of that ledger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he had said that he's going to do one more convention, hopefully, and I hope it's an East Coast convention because uh, that might get me to go out. You know, I'll say this. Hey, go ahead. I know what you're going to say because I'm probably going to say the same thing. Um, I, I would love to meet him, but no, I don't think you would like, I, this is something you, you know how you always talk about those rare Mark photos you get with somebody. Yep. George was for me. I was like, I'm getting, I'm with like, there, there's I, all these guys like, you know, I, and I was, George is one of the few comic book creators that I have my photo taken with. And I'm glad I did. And when I put that up today, I looked at that photo and that's a great, I'm not saying cause it's me, just us pointing at each other. That photo today means so much more to me than it, than, you know, it was sitting in my phone and I didn't even know I had it. Mm-hmm. Now it's a special thing, but what were you going to say that you thought I was going to say? Well, so I, if I was to bet my money would be that last convention that he's going to go to is that a uh, fetish one that he goes to. Oh yeah. I hope it is good for him. Yeah. I hope it is too. I think uh, he'll sel- go to- selfishly. I'd like it to be Baltimore or Philly New or New York, or even like a Boston con. But uh, for George, let him go do his thing, man. One last time. Live it up. Yep, That's right. Yeah. So anything else you want to say on that? No, I, I've rambled on. But if any man deserved it. Oh, maybe one last thing. I do believe that George got his roses and his flowers while he lived. You know what I mean? Like, even before this, people gave him the, the credit he was due, which is rare in comics. Uh, I'll you know and then I'll I'll agree with you begrudgingly because I'll say when you look at his body of work, whatever he was given, it probably wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of conventions, uh, there's a biggie this weekend. C two E two is this weekend in Chicago. Because <laughs> uh, nothing says fun like December Chicago like Chicago in December. Yes, sirree. Hopefully it'll be warm. Well, uh, it's the weather's been suspect these last couple of weeks, so you know you're really rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a big convention. Uh, tons of folks from the world of comic books. I couldn't even name everyone that's going to be there, but just a few notables: uh, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Art Balthazar, Franco, Doc Shaner, Garth Ennis, Kyle Higgins, Phil Hester. The Rob is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the media guest side, Todd. Yeah. It's a who's who of sports and entertainment. <laughs> oh, goody. Um, and I'll just say this to throw a little uh, fuel in the fire of, of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Inspiration are going to be there. Peyton, I, I, I think their names are like Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. That was their WWE names. Okay. And uh, I am letting the boar borrow the copter this weekend so he can go out to C2E2. Oh, were they the the uh, I- Iconics? They're formerly the Iconics with two eyes, and now they're Inspiration with two eyes. Oh, okay. Um, Dan Housen's going to be there. I'm not sure if you're aware of Dan Housen, if he's permeated your life. No, I maybe. 
Okay. Uh, Broski is going to be there. Poor Chelsea is going to be there. Is that um, mean Adam's going to be there? Well, no. We'll listen. Adam's just going to buy pieces of Broski to ship to him until <laughs> he has his own build of Broski. Yeah. Oh, I got. Oh, I can't even say it on here. Yeah, I, this is this is me reminding Adam that I have a funny story to tell you, Adam, when we record at odds this week. Oh, okay. Um. Well, they are in Chicago, so of course Phil from Chicago is going to be there. Doggone it. He'd... Oh. A litany of AEW wrestlers are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone from Adam Cole to Hangman Page to, like I said, everyone in between. And uh, I don't know. Listen, I'm just an asking questions guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no WWE presence at the uh, C2E2 this year. Right. Well, you know who is there? John Cena. Oh. He's got that Listen. Peacemaker show. Yeah, I'm just asking questions, right? Oh, that would be crazy. I don't know. Doesn't HBO Max, isn't that like a Turner property as well? They do cross-promotion? I think they do. I think they do. Okay. Listen, I just ask questions. That's really all I do on this show. Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? You You mentioned all those AEW. You you said all those AEW guy, and I know Hangman Page is going to be there. But is Wangman Page going to be there? Well, he's gonna be he's gonna be in Texas on uh, next Wednesday, but I don't know if he'll be walking out. I think uh, this upcoming uh, this upcoming C two E two might be the last time you get a nice fancy picture with the Wang Man with his nice fancy belt. Okay, um, is there actually a show in uh, a wrestling show for AEW in Chicago this weekend or something? No, there's not. They're actually in Long Island uh, tomorrow, and they're filming like you know they're Friday and they're filming Wednesday and Friday. Uh, they're everyone's going to C two E two, and then they're going to Texas for TV next week. Okay, that's interesting because I know that they did like I forget what it was. They had some presence at a, at a couple of cons this year, and it seemed like that was the town that they were in. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think because um, they have a lot of ties to Chicago for whatever reason. Like that's where their first couple shows were, their first big pay per views and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a bunch of big shows there this year. And I just think the schedule didn't work itself out, but they absolutely would have done. But I, I think C2E2 maybe just came up a little bit too late on the schedule for them to right. schedule something this weekend there. And and winter's a bad time to be sh- uh, schlepping ice cream bars for AEW, too. So. Right. Yeah. Well, the ice cream bars were in Chicago. Right. But I mean, so- now you don't want to. You know, give away ice cream bars at a show or whatever. I'm just making stuff up. Hot chocolate, maybe. Oh, that would be good. Right. Phil's face on it. <laughs> uh, but the links to C2E2, if you're heading out there this weekend, of course, will be in the show notes. Not that you need us to direct you there, but of course, you do need us to, to direct you to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, uh, where all the shows in the soon to be named network will reside outside of your favorite podcatcher, um, not Spotify. And I'll say this. I was happy to see a bunch of people post, um, you know, they did like that Spotify wrapped thing last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying that we were in their, uh, you know, most listened to podcast for 2021. So I, I greatly appreciate that. I'm I'm humbled that there are people that listen to what Todd and I are up to. I you know did not know that, but that makes me feel, you know, feel good. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But uh, like I said, all the shows, of course, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, 
Uh, add-outs with wrestling, we've mentioned all of those. Uh, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, um, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, uh, Hit My Music just had an episode come out this week uh, with Daniel McCabe, who is a uh, British Columbia West Coast wrestler of note. Um, and also Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument. And anytime any of those folks from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know, they'll show up there. So you can keep up with the latest comings and goings of all of your favorite uh, soon-to-be-named network superstars. Mm-hmm. Uh, also check out a uh, friend of the show, Kevin Hellion's site, Masked Library. His podcast is back. He's been putting up unboxing videos of different gifts that he's been getting and getting for himself. Uh, check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop, where he does those cool resonant 3D, uh, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and wrestling uh, figures. Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, listeners of our show, both who have created their own uh, self-published comics that you could go and check out on Comixology, which are linked up. Uh, in the show notes. And also, of course, you can check out our comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. They do a fantastic mail order subscription service. Whether you get your stuff weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, at least you're getting your stuff. You're not one of those people who just let a pull post, pull bag, fill up, fill up, fill up, and never get your books. Because if you're getting your stuff mailed to you, obviously you're on the hook, which is always good. But you also might get a sketch from our good friend Becky, who I am publicly here, and I'm going to personally tomorrow when I see her, uh, publicly congratulating her on her huge life achievement that she – are you aware of her huge life achievement that she had this week, Todd? I believe I do know a little bit about it, but go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no cheating, no time traveling, no finagling of the system. Uh, she got everything in uh, the museum on Animal Crossing. A huge feat. That is actually super impressive. Uh, there's a lot of ways to cheat the system to do it. Um, and I'm super proud of her. I know how hard she worked at getting it. Uh, sadly, I haven't played Animal Crossing in quite some time. It's just, you know, the world has gotten a little too busy around here. <laughs> Um, one day I'm going to go back and stomp out all the cockroaches in my house, walk <laughs> around, pull all the weeds and then put the game away for another couple of months. Uh, but congratulations to Becky. Um, you know, check out the art that she does and check out the process that she does over on her social media. Mm-hmm. You should give her an award when you see her. Give uh, her a, a sticker. Give her one of your stickers. I have Animal Crossing stickers here. I could give her. There you go. Not a long box heroes one. Cause I don't know what she'd do with that. No, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so digital sales, uh, there's a bunch, uh, seems like the cycle is like new every week. It's kind of like hit that again, where there's very little crossover from week to week. Um, Marvel has an old man, Logan and Wastelanders sale is Wastelanders like spinning out of the old man, Logan universe or something. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff coming out of that. Hmm. Uh, we have a Marvel Avengers in the multiverse sale. Uh, I know the multiverse is a thing. Uh, Marvel also has a Daredevil legacy sale because there's a big status quo change happening in Daredevil this week. Um, And I know Todd, this is a way that I like to remind Todd that there were people who uh, wrote Daredevil prior to his creator, Mark Wade, in the uh, early 2000s. Shocking news. Yeah. Shocking. 
tons of people, even all the way back to the 60s. I don't know how they did it, you know. Were they using some of that Animal Crossing time travel? Maybe. Okay. Uh, Dark Horse having a sale on Grendel stuff. Dynamite having a sale on recent hits. And DC <laughs> having a sale on Watchmen and Doomsday Clock related stuff. Oh, because it ended around this time a few years ago after a short hiatus. Yeah. I still have that and uh, the Rob's release of the uh, Snake Eyes in the spreadsheet of like, Ugh. here was the original solicit date and here's the actual release date. And there was a lot of a lot of daylight between those two <laughs> sets of numbers on each of those books. Right, definitely. Uh, but like I said, all this stuff is in the links. Uh, all these links are the show notes to every one of these episodes. So check those out, won't you please? Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, which was uh, Human Target number two. And I'm going to ask you to take point on this. No problem. Written by Tom King. Art, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous art by Greg Smallwood. A beautiful uh, cover with the Human Target and ice on the front with, you know, uh, powder blue coloring. But uh, as we last left uh, the Human Target, he uh, was poisoned when he was pretending to be Lex Luthor and a bunch of clues lead to someone in the justice league international possibly being the culprit. So now he decides to go down. He's going to go down the one by one, I guess, and figure them out. And the first is ice. Um, and he ends up meeting and they have, you know, a talk and immediately like you're taken back by how pretty ice is and how uh, nice she is. He even says he's like the nicest one. Uh, you know, if, if anybody, there was anybody on justice league who couldn't kill me, it would be her. And then they proceed to tell her story, which is, you know, she was an ice maiden who, who lived in the, in the Arctic and everything, but that was all a repressed memory that she was actually just a regular kid. And she, uh, ended up, you know, killing someone with her ice powers. So right there, they're like knocking holes, like maybe she could have and everything. And he ends up going out with her and he starts to become enamored with her because she's He's just so like uh, Tom King kind of nails it. Like you're supposed to fall in love with ice, her naivete, her, her uh, calmness, everything about her. She's literally cool as a cucumber, no pun intended. And uh, maybe he's playing her and maybe she's playing him. Uh, and then at one point he goes, well, um, at the end, he's like, it, it, we got clues to who, you know, how Lex maybe have involved in her being killed at one point she came back. And then that leads to like making guy who's her lover, a possible person who wanted to kill Lex Luthor and uh fire who is her best friend who might've wanted to kill Luthor. So it's like leading him down the path. And I'm like, this is just so good. It was like that noir detective and they pretty much got the Justice League that I like nailed. There was a couple of moments like when he's even talking about like fire and like what's ice without fire and ice talking about the Justice League. I'm looking for a quote and I'm just going to do one really quick. She was like, um, it was all very har harrowing and very real. But at the end of the day, they would laugh about it. Bwahaha. Looking back, she says it does seem absurd. They should have been scared, but they weren't. They were ridiculous and they were happy. She doesn't regret a moment of it. And to me, that's perfect because I feel too many people regret the Justice League International, you know, run people at editorial and everything. And this is somebody embracing it. 
And I, like I said, I could go on and on and on about this. I don't know if it's because I'm nostalgic for the JLI or this is really well-written or both, but I'm all in on this. And please, Tom King, don't trip up the ending on this. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Dave at the comic book shop this week that that's my concern about it. But like so far, it's very strong. Uh, of course, all the things that you mentioned, and I have the issue here in front of me. Now, this is, the, so there's a, like, I, and again, I don't want to see a twist, but there's, like, a bit of a reveal at the end of the issue that I don't feel comfortable talking about. Right, I was trying to stay away from certain stuff, Right, go ahead. I just want to throw that out there. That was that was one of those things where, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's a nice little uh, detective-y thing there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I will admit, while uh, you uh, more so, of course, than I, not to say there's different levels, but there obviously are, um, with the fandom of these characters and the JLI and so forth. So there's a lot that's discussed in here um, that I have to ask you, who obviously is much more familiar with, let's say, Ice in this, Mm -hmm. right? Ice isn't a character that shows up all the time in tons of stuff. Right. Right. And I can't say that I've read every ice appearance or I'm up on ice lore. Mm-hmm. Is everything that was discussed in here canon or is this some stuff that was maybe fabricated to tell this story? No, all of it happened over the over the course like it wasn't all in the original justice league some came later right so that's what i'm asking is because there's stuff obviously that i never read of ice so it's interesting to see them in this issue them tom king and greg smallwood kind of lay it all out you Mm -hmm. know and i don't i think i'm definitely in i don't i wouldn't say that i'm in the minority and not remembering or realizing everything of ice's character in the dcu right and you don't remember, but you read, you know, the part where it's all a repressed memory and she like, you know, wasn't an ice, you know, uh, an sure. ice princess or whatever. You read that story. That was in the Judd Winnick Justice League uh, generation. The generations. Lost. Right. So I knew that stuff was in generations, but I didn't remember the part where, and again, it's not spoilers. It's a story from, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, which again, it's 15 years ago, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, Brightest Day was 15 years ago. Oh, God, you're making me I know. feel old. <laughs> but where I'm going is, like, then there's the part where, like, she's, like, manipulated to turn evil. And then, you know, Luther may or may not have killed her sort of thing. Like, was that in the Generations Lost? No. Because that was so, in... So that's the part where I was like, okay, is that something new? No, that was in... The, now, they may have tweaked it a little bit, but I remember most of it because it's been a long time since I read it. That was in that crappy run of Justice League after Doomsday. Okay. That was all in that, and they, she ends up being killed. And I remember, there's. I wonder if he's going to bring it up. There's a great moment in it where Guy was off planet because he had the yellow ring at the time. And he comes back and he's like, you guys, like you had your funeral and none of you called me. Like, you knew I loved her and she loved me, whatever was going on with us. And nobody, you know, picked up the phone and let me know Ice was dead. And that was a turning point in Guy's, like, character. Like, he was the jerk jerk before that that nobody liked. But then later on, like, Jeff Johns made him the, you know, the, the likable kind of jerk. He was he he was a jerk, but he was our jerk kind of a deal. Right. And that was the turning point where he's like, well, maybe, like, if they didn't call me, 
and she was dead. Like, that's interesting. And there's a whole bunch of stuff with fire that I don't want to give away because like, that's real. Like that was in Canon, but never mentioned after again in like justice league international, like what she did on the side besides being a Brazilian model. And I'm like, Ooh, and that makes her definitely a suspect. If that, uh, like the things that I know. So it's fun knowing what I do and seeing where this book is, is going already in two issues. Yeah. Cause like I said, I, I really liked it, but I just had like, I was just wondering, cause a lot of times these Tom King books feel like they're outside of Canon. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was wondering like what we're seeing here and reading here, is this Canon or not? Not that it matters, but it would just be interesting to see them take such divergent left turns with the character, but no, that's just kind of how the character has been jerked around over its, you know, creation. Right. Because nobody cared if you did anything to ice. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not Batman. Right. I'm interested to see. Really? Ice the... isn't Batman. Huh. No, no. Ice isn't Batman. What's her rogues gallery? Better than Batman's? Worse than Batman's? Um, It's anybody who fought her on Justice League International. So she has the, th- Justice League International has the third best rogues gallery in comics. Hmm. That's a difficult. That's that's a difficult one to argue. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. That definitely is difficult to argue. It certainly is. All right. So yeah, definitely check this book out. Um, you know, I haven't seen any sort of crazy like oh reorders or it's out of print or anything like that. So uh, pick up the first two issues. I, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd, and we currently have four weeks left, including this one. Uh, in the calendar year to see if Todd could turn the shut, turn the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking over your list and is the book you're looking forward to most one star squadron. Number one, it is uh one star squadron. Number one, uh, Mark Russell, not the political musical satirist um, and art by Steve Lieber. Again, that's a knockout team if I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to take a star away because Red Tornado's in there. Oh. Um, and I had to like maybe slip the uh, local retailer a couple extra bucks to even have a Red Tornado book in his store. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that the slogan on the book says Superman level service at bizarro prices. <laughs> I want to tell you one quote that I saw on Uh-oh. on Twitter that and it's from from Red Tornado and he's sitting there and he says, "What's wrong with being a second banana? Sometimes you need two bananas." And I'm like, "I'm all in." Yeah. Uh so I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is well, let me uh I don't want to well, again, I, I feel as though you're an honest man. Um, Fantastic Four Life Story number five. Is that a five-issue miniseries? I believe it's a six. Then I'm going to go with One Star Squadron as well. 
is one star squadron, but my the one star squadron I'm going with has a hyphen in it, Joe. Oh, okay. Not like yours, you know, Mr. Not putting the hyphen where it belongs. I'll put the hyphen where it belongs. <laughs> that sounded threatening. Yeah. Uh, are you threatening me? <laughs> no, it's a promise. Okay. So, speaking of threatening, oh. uh, we are nearing <laughs> the end of Todd and Joe Have Issues for 2021. Uh, as we are rereading the Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray run of Jonah Hex and the uh, much maligned Spider Clone Saga. And since Todd started the show, I turn things over to you, sir. Yes. Um, so we are starting with, I believe it's Sensational Spider Man number 11. Yes. All right. So basically, uh, this mysterious figure, we don't know who he is, is, you know, giving gaunt warnings that we have to give, you know, we're going to slay Ben Riley in front of Peter Parker, and that'll teach him about daring to have a life and his this robotic armor. And he ends up calling the guy in the robotic armor Mendel. And I was like, never, I have no idea who this guy is, um, if that's his real name or whatever. But uh, also at this point, a bunch of people are getting invitations to the Halloween party, like all of the uh, the uh, supporting cast of Peter Parker, who, by the way, Joe has the best supporting cast in the history of comics. And while that's going on, uh, J. Jonah Jameson gets uh, an invite to not an invite, but uh uh, he's got to go to the board of directors because he's being uh, summoned and everything. Um, while that's going on, uh, the two guys who just showed up to work for the Daily Planet are messing with the elevators, and they're out of order, Joe. Um, that seems very weird. Uh, so uh, Peter and Ben are talking about that onslaught happened and all the heroes are gone, but don't worry, we have two Spider-Mens. Um, no, we don't because Peter's powers are checking in and out and he's like maybe i should be and he's like and ben's like no you can't you have a baby on the way um and your powers are giving out uh just when you need them like or or, or this and he's like ah don't worry about it my spider sense goes off when my powers are going to go off which is a great thing to know um and i'm like okay so that's interesting that they try to kind of want to work to spider-man um at the police station, someone shows up, and his name is Arthur Stacy, who is probably someone who's related to uh, Gwen Stacy's father. I forget what the captain was, but it was the death of Captain Stacy. That's correct. Uh, yes, that's his correct. brother. Right. So uh, Ben and Peter are walking along, and they see these kids in this like uh, busted up building from Onslaught, and they're like, "Oh, you have to get out of here because you know this is." Uh, dangerous and as that happens uh gaunt or whatever his name is now I, I don't even know uh shows up and starts fighting him they're like okay i'll get peter's like i'll get the kids to safety you uh fight them off and uh you know like i'll get them to safety but shockingly they're not actual little kids they're robots uh you know being used by this gaunt character um and gaunt's like uh he, the, you you have no idea like what's happening who's who's leading all this and you know he's talking about trainer uh how he was involved um while this is going on the lady 
who got hired at the coffee shop put something in Mary Jane's uh, drink, which is what uh, what is it? What's it called? Ends up start messing with the pregnancy and everything. So uh, Aunt Anna is trying to get Peter, but she can't because he's too busy fighting alongside the robot. It, we find out he's called the Robot Master, which is another character that I've never heard of. So if that's his given name, I'm like, this is a great reveal. I'm rolling my eyes if you can hear it. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, because I actually, at this point, I should have said it last week. I was starting to think that this person was going to be the Jackal. Uh-huh. But it turns out to be Robot Master or whatever. And now at Peter, uh, his beeper goes off and he sees that there's something in trouble with Mary Jane and they have to fight uh, Gaunt and get out of there to, to see what's going on with Mary Jane. And Gaunt still has the worst font in the history of comics. Did I miss anything, Joe? Yeah, practically unreadable um, with his font still. Um, I tried to make it a little bit bigger, of course. Now I will, uh, a couple things I just want to mention. Um, they talk about this taking place during like onslaught time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the heroes are gone. So, you know, as bad as this may be with the spider clone saga, things were much worse over in the heroes reborn line. Mm -hmm. Um, there's the bit where Arthur Stacy shows up at the, uh, police station. And of course it's Halloween time. I don't know if you saw the Easter eggs of the people being arrested, Dressed like the Joker, Harley Quinn, and Charlie Brown. Yes, for solicitation, Joe. They were getting yes. char- charged for. I thought that was great. Oh, and I did miss one thing because I was going so fast through here. When Betty Brant gets her information. Yes. Tonight at the Bugle, 10 to midnight. Signed, oh. Oh. It's George Takei. Oh, who's oh? So maybe it is George Takei. So. Yes. Um, and then I think there's also a very dated reference to uh, the Mark Arena. Oh, well, that doesn't sound like anything that would happen in comics. Yeah. So. Um, so last but not least, of course, would be Mendel Strom. And mm-hmm. when Gaunt first showed up in my stupid head, I'm like, oh, well, again, I, from reading this, I, I think Mendel Strom before I think of Robot Master. Um, but I'm like, oh, I can't say Mendel Strom to Todd because that'll tip him off to who it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, everyone knows Mendel Strom, right? He's up there in the greatest rogues gallery in the history of comics, Joe. So Mendel Strom was a red herring the whole time. Um, there was teases that it was this villain from Peter's past and so on and so forth. So they had to dig through those early 60s issues of Amazing Spider-Man to find a villain that hadn't been used in 30 years. And the initial thought was, we're going to lead you to believe that Mendel Strom, the robot master, is the one that's been behind everything this whole time. And then it's revealed to be an even bigger bad behind him. Mm -hmm. So it was just one of those things of like, quick getting Mark Wade on the horn uh, who's someone we haven't used in 30 years? Oh, the the great Mendel Strom, Joe. Yes. Uh, so now we're on to part three of Revelations. And now, Joe, some revelations are happening, Joe. Yes. And on the cover, it says the mysterious mastermind revealed. So uh, uh, Aunt Anna's with Mary Jane. They're having you know problems with the baby. And they're like, everything's going to be fine. They're going to take her in. Um, basically, there's a... 
you know, a huge fight between Mendelstrom and, and Ben and Peter. Uh, one of the uh, reporters or something sees that there's something going on at the hospital and ends up uh, calling uh, Robert, Robbie Robertson and says, you know, that, you know, this is happening with Peter. And I do like that. He's like, Oh, when will, you know, all the stuff that's happened to him, um, you know, uh, lost his job is on. When will the bad streak end? I don't think it'll ever end Joe at the rate we're going. Um, so obviously the fight goes on, goes on. They end up, uh, you know, pretty much beating, uh, Mendel Strom kind of a deal. Uh, the, there's someone, a mysterious person, who's uh, at the hospital as she's going into uh, Mary Jane's going into labor and has problems, a smoker. I didn't know uh, that the mysterious benefactor is going to be a smoker um, there. And they tell MJ that the doctor's like, everything's going as planned. And the mysterious guy's like, indeed, Mrs. Parker, uh, exactly as planned. Uh, during the fight, Peter manages to f- phone call into the hospital and he finds out um, what's going on. I, I That was the most, in this, in these issues, the past couple, that was the most like Peter esque thing going on, like him, you know, fighting robots of kids trying to talk on the phone. I was like, all right, at least that's very Spider Man esque. Um, at the precincts, the Stacy character is there that he's here, um, to and he talks to like the uh, Captain Stacy's old partner, and he says that he's there to find the person who maybe killed. Uh, Captain Stacy and that person is Spider-Man. Um, and I, fi- I found that interesting. And then um, with Mendelstrom, he's like, oh, this is my time to beat you guys. And he ends up hitting them with gas that doesn't work. Um, it's like, they, he's like, oh, he's releasing some sort of gas. It can't be too dangerous. My spider sense doesn't seem to be reacting. And, um, but that kind of makes Peter lose his power. So I don't know if the gas has something to do with that, but I have a feeling that's something that will be revealed much later uh, or not much later, but soon as to that gas is doing something, maybe reverting this. So when they get tested, who the real clone is and who isn't, I don't know. Um, at the party, those two mysterious dudes, Joe are putting bombs in pumpkins, making bomb pumpkins, Joe. <laughs> Or pumpkin bombs, sure. That just sounds ridiculous. Bomb pumpkins sounds much better. Um, They end up defeating uh, Mendel, and they they have him. Peter is running off to the hospital, and uh, Ben starts asking him, like, who is it? And he's like, "Uh, I can't tell you. He'll kill us both. And someone shows up, and he's like, why ask the underling when you can go directly to the source? And he's like, how did he sneak up on me? Must have been the gas. My spider sense should have. Oh my God, it can't be you. Not you. Uh, but you're dead. I saw you die. And once again, um, like you can't see his face due to, or his hairstyle. Um, and he knocks Ben out and he ends up killing Mendel Holmes or Mendel Strom. I'm saying Mendel Holmes. Um, and at the hospital, the woman who worked at the coffee shop who put the stuff in the drink she's you know working as a nurse or something and she ends up uh there as they tell them that they lost the baby uh and she leaves and she ends up going the 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 nurse uh waitress person goes and leaves and shows up on the dock to talk to someone who's our mysterious uh 
benefactor this whole time and says that she has a package for him and that uh, she's going to take it to Europe and he hopes he never sees it again. And she's, she says, okay, goodbye, sir. And he's like, feel free to use my shoot name, Norman Osborne. <laughs> so oh, it turned boy. out to be Norman Osborne all along. And the fact that uh, that's probably Mary Jane's baby is the package and she's going to come back. Right. So, obviously, Todd, it wasn't Norman was the plan the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the baby does come back many years later. Right, but it's not the baby, right? No. Isn't it there, the real? There's one more bit that needs to be, before we get into, like, the fate of the baby, right? Mm-hmm. We have to read what we have for next week. Okay. Um, but I'll say this: uh, art in this by Steven Scross, um, who you know has a very unique and a very you know some say polarizing art style. But unless I'm mistaken, I think he's the guy who did like all the design work for the Matrix. He might have. I don't. I think so. I yeah. will say there was a couple of times he very, very much like there was one uh, one scene where the doctor is giving her a pen to sign something for Mary Jane. And I was like, he has a, like, he's trying to be Todd McFarlane in this. Uh There's a scene where it looks very like the, the doctor looks like, like the violator from like a spawn comic, you know, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's a lot of perspective stuff. Yes. So Um, almost there, Joe, almost there, Todd, but did you see this coming? Did you see it was going to be Norman Osborn the whole time? Like the plan was from when we first started this reading these back in January. Oh, yeah, when they laid down all the clues that it was Norman and that Peter was really the clone or the, the real Peter, you know, that there was going to be the swap. They they had this set up from the beginning. No, I, I like I said, I've always said that I knew it was Norman because it was, you know, spoiled. This I, I know it's shocking that this 20-year-old story was spoiled on me, Joe. Um, <laughs> but I knew that. But, like, but the magic is how it all happens, Joe. Right, so so this issue we get the who, right? We get the who that it's Norman Osborn. Right. Next issue we get the what. Right. Next or next week, yeah. Next week we get the 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 what the what you know, um, and maybe a little bit of the why. Okay. Right. Then the week after that we're gonna get the how. Um, how Norman was able to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And then for the last week, as a spoiler to everyone, we're going to get the shoot reasons as to why. Okay. As Marvel decides to take a little bit of uh, the you-know-what out of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think I know. It's uh, Isn't it like uh, a Jericho list of stuff? <laughs> no. No. So what? So and again, uh, and again, we'll get to Jonah Hex here just in a second. Um, but with the Spider-Man stuff, we have amazing. Or so next week we have two issues. Um, amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, Spider-Man seventy-five and Spectacular two forty-one. Okay. Right. And that is officially wraps everything up. Week after that, we have the uh, Osborne Journal, which is them putting the pieces in of to retrofit Norman into the storyline. Right. It's all between panels. I do believe I may have even read that okay. because I was going to read Spider-Man after 
this happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we have 101 ways to end the clone saga, which is the most Marvel assistant editor month book of all. Right, right. Well, let's talk about some good comics now. Right. Jonah Hex, Joe. Go ahead. Jonah Hex, number 66, uh, written by the of the aforementioned uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, with early work from uh, Saga's Fiona Staples. Which, even before we did this, like when I did a reread of this years ago, mm-hmm. I completely forgot Fiona Staples did an issue of this. And it yes. may look pretty good. Yeah, what a, uh, what a pleasant surprise this was, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jonah comes into a town, it's snowing, uh, he's got a bunch of people, um, obviously that are, you know, they're prisoners, bringing them in, he's looking just for a place to stow the people while the storm passes, Jonah's puzzling the few number of people that are left in the town, uh, the preacher, the reverend, the whomever is like, well, we only have like an ice box or whatever, um, you know, we don't have a ton of food and Jonah's like, yeah, they're wanted dead, not alive, you know, so it doesn't matter what we do with them. I got them. They're here. We just need to kind of wait for things to pass, mm-hmm. um, to tide things over the local barkeep, um, sends three of his finest women to assist Jonah. Uh, Jonah is very suspect because, uh, looks like they haven't had uh, a meal in a while, mm-hmm. but they have other things in store for Jonah, even though one is a contortionist. As all three of them attempt to attack Jonah, but again, a lot of colorful language being used in this non-comics code approved <laughs> book from 2011, okay? Mm-hmm. Not words I would say on this podcast is all I'll say. Fair enough. So it appears as though this was a trap that was sprung for Jonah uh, and the rest of the people in the town, which aren't many to begin with, uh, go out looking for Jonah and uh, Jonah stumbles into a house, uh, the widow Wilkins' home, she and her three children. Um, and she lets them, she lets Jonah know that most of the town has passed and most of the livestock has passed due to a hoof and mouth disease going through the town. Um, and there's v- very little food left uh, around. And the reason the remaining town folk are attempting to hunt down Jonah is because they are going to eat Jonah. And add this to the list of things that is a soft spot for Jonah that uh, is obviously a giant red flag for him. And that's cannibalism. Cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman lets Jonah know that things have gotten so bad that after her husband passed, um, he, her husband was fed to them amongst the other people in the townsfolk. Uh, the remaining townsfolk are like, they're desperate. They're just like, well, let's light our house on fire. And then when he runs out, we'll kill him. Right. Very desperate, uh, desperate people do desperate things, but Jonah Hex takes care of your desperation, but just shooting you in the face. Uh, Jonah goes out into the wilderness to try to hunt some elk while he does. So he is attacked by some wolves. Uh, nonetheless, he does bring the elk back to the widow Wilkins, but he's been gone so long. She feared he would never return, um, and sees they got a big pot of stew on the table. And Jonah assumes correctly that that done be people stew. Mm -hmm. Uh, the widow Wilkins says I had no choice. Uh, and Jonah says, you know, you, you always had a choice. Um, obviously 
there are old Western type people, frontiersmen type people that are written in a way that cannibalism is a line that you can never cross. Right. And uh, the widow Wilkins did so. And obviously there's the moral dilemma here of what would you do to provide for your family, your children. And then of course, Jonah hacks of you can't cross the line of eating people to provide for your family. Right. Uh, it's a good issue. A uh, beautiful issue. Um, you know, if you squint, you could pretend that this is a Jonah Hex crossover with Saga. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yes. Any yeah. remarks or comments on what we, uh, what I, what I read here? Uh, other than the fact that when he stumbles across them eating people or are like in the, in the ice house that they have all the, you know, the, the, the bounties that he brought in yeah. all cut up and butchered. He notices his horse hanging and he's just like my horse like like he was genuinely sad that they killed this horse but the other guys like i don't give two rat you know so i thought that yeah. was amusing but other than that uh just a fun not like you know a great like somber issue with beautiful art by fiona staples so uh next issue uh 67 uh regular artist jordy Brene is back and we start with a sheriff uh telling people that there is a reward on jonah hex Wanted dead or alive for killing seven women, six men, three children, and that's a reward of a thousand dollars, Todd. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Uh, so then we get one of the things that I hate the most in a Jonah Hex book, where it's non-Jonah Hex people that <laughs> talk in their fancy prose and like f- f- colorful language in regards to the old west. And then Jonah has to come and show them what for, that the Old West isn't flowery, the Old West isn't pretty. Um, you know, keep your flowery language to yourself, you know? Right. Uh, the Old West is, as you always say, lighting dynamite with a cigar. Yes, that's what the Old West is to me. <laughs> uh, but these folks, uh, these two gentlemen, are deli- uh, are bringing uh, supplies, antibodies, medicine, what have you, to the town of Yellow Creek. Uh, where the town uh, has been infected with, as they just say, a pox. We don't know if it's a chicken, a small, or an other, but it's an old Westy pox, which means you're likely going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the men seems to know the legend of Jonah, and everything that Jonah does for the most part in this kind of flies in the face of everything that he's been led to believe. And of course, Jonah does assist them in bringing the wagon uh, to the town of Yellow Creek. They, the two men, won't go into town with them for fear of getting sick. And Jonah, ahead of the times, and this is one of those things where I don't read the whole issue when I'm doing the Todd and Joe have issues thing. It's just like, oh, the first panel I come upon, that's what we're grabbing. But uh, Jonah Hex, many years again, the uh, many years ahead of the masking up craze. And mm-hmm. I say craze, thing that's hopefully saving many of our lives currently. Yeah, which one thing, though, like he says in this, he's like, are you going to go into town with me? And the two guys are like, no. And he's like, what about you? The pox. He's like, I had it. And in the old Bronze Age, he did. Ha- they did mention that he had the, the smallpox as a kid. So you can't catch it again. Gotcha. Uh, so pretty much the, most of the town is waylaid uh, while he's outside. Someone starts shooting at him. And when he goes in there, he sees a man who is riddled with pox, but kind of sort of looks familiar mm-hmm. in that he has a very uh, familiar look that he looks very much like Jonah Hex himself. Um, 
And this is the son of a man named Donald Manchester, who Jonah had killed. So this person, who I don't think we ever get his name. I don't think we do. Um, he has posed as Jonah, gone around uh, creating havoc and murdering people in Jonah's name in the hopes that Jonah would have a bounty put on him and that everyone else would take care of this problem for him. Uh, even though he has been posing as Jonah and is sick with, sick with the pox, that does not stop Jonah from putting a beating on him. Uh, the other two men are waiting outside the town for Jonah to return. The sheriff and the posse that we saw from the beginning of the issue show up, obviously looking to collect the $10,000 bounty on Jonah X. Yeah, I think there was some uh, typos in this. I hope someone got sued over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or somebody lost their job over that or something. Uh, so they come in and they're like, I'm seeing double for Jonas. And, <laughs> and the, the guy who is posing as Jonah is, uh, just saying like, oh, we'll kill him. Um, I'm going to die soon anyway. Uh, Jonah's like, no, 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 don't kill me. Just kill him. Uh, and they're like, well, we just killed both of them to be sure. And they, they just kind of keep repeating that, and they say that there is uh, a bounty uh, out. And Jonah asks how much is the how much is the bounty, and then when they tell him it's ten thousand, uh, Jonah shoots the imposter guy and says, oh, "I guess <laughs> I guess I ain't your nurse anymore," because Jonah was kind of helping the guy. And right. it's at that point that they figure out they're like, "Well, wait a minute. Uh, if he was just so ready to kill this guy, then he must be the real Jonah Hex." And not the one that we were looking for because uh, he wouldn't have just killed this guy. He would have, uh, you know, and they, he says, uh, in fact, he even suggested we kill both of them. No way the real Jonah Hanks would say that. And that mm -hmm. was the imposter. So uh, Jonah's getting his uh, one to ten thousand dollar bounty for uh, killing his imposter. Yep. I do like like I know it, a little messed up in the telling, but the logic behind this whole whole story is sound. Other than the changing bounty, which I, you know, I get, but uh, I, you know, I, I do like the idea of this story, and I like that when the the guys left, like Joan is like, I'm gonna stay here with the dead people and drink, and they're like, uh, this place suits you better than it does us, and he's like, yeah, free whiskey and no one to bother me, yeah, it does suit me fine, like, uh, like church in hell with a congregation of ghosts. I'm like, I liked when Jonah does talk occasionally. Yeah. So. Uh, so I mentioned before that we have uh, those two issues of Spider-Man to kind of wrap things up. And then we have uh, issues, uh, just one issue of Jonah Hex next week, issue 68. We're drawn to the end here. Right, because I just have one issue apiece each week with Jonah now. Yep. Uh, so. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have there. Um you can check out our store, which you could get shirts and pins and stickers. I do it the old cheap way where I just have a PayPal thing that you could sign up for. I don't use some sort of service that just stooges off your kayfabe name to people. Um, you could also <laughs> make purchases through our key public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. You can get logos inspired by this show, After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, and Hit My Music on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. And from now until the 19th of December, everything is 30% off. So uh, still plenty of time to get your holiday orders in. 
Uh, you can also sign up for our Patreon. Dollar uh, a month, $5 a month. Those are the only two levels left. Um, gets you those two bonus shows a month, previewing the past, which is going at least until 2025, and six never seen movies, which was wrapping up this month. And then next year, we'll be moving on to the Mark Pirro project, uh, inspired by our mutual love, uh, mine brand new, Todd's many years old, <laughs> of a Polish vampire in Burbank. Um, like I said, dollar to $5, anywhere in between $5 and up, get you those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And it also gets you long box heroes after dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Right. Uh, another way that you can help us out, of course, is making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through, uh, banner at the top of the page at long box heroes does not cost you anything extra. Uh, but it does give us a little bit of a kickback. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, Peanuts-inspired Snoopy pumpkin earrings. Uh, Somebody also purchased a double vinyl import of Metallica playing a show in Seattle in 1989. Okay. I'm not a vinyl guy, but I'm a Metallica guy, and that's pretty cool, even if you're not going to be listening to it, if you're just going to put it up on the wall and look at it. I was never a Metallica guy, but... Uh, you're missing anyway. out. Uh, I like the Black Album, but everybody yells at me for that, so... Uh, Black Album's good, but, you know, uh, everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, Injustice for All, Ride the Lightning, and everything else like that. You know, if you're not in the heavier stuff, you're not in the you're not into the heavier stuff. You know, it's all mm-hmm. good. Okay. Uh, somebody purchased the uh, Hasbro Marvel's Legend uh, Sabretooth figure. Kind of looks Age of Apocalypse to me. <laughs> um, somebody also purchased uh, Funko Pops of the Vision when he was dressed up as the Vision for Halloween from the WandaVision TV show and his final form when he's in the white. Uh, the all-white deal at the uh, end of the show. Right. Uh, so thank you, anyone and everyone who made any and all of these purchases in the uh, last seven days or ever through the Amazon click-through. Yes. Uh, so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? You're right, we did. It throws me off when somebody retweets or uh, quote retweets one of them. Um, but our good buddy DJ um, has a BPRD Russia issue uh, number four, page six by Tyler Crook. Um, I'm not a Hellboy or BPRD uh, guy, but uh, looking at that, that's a really cool page. And I know um, he, that he got a good deal on it because it was a uh, like cyber deal during the weekend of Black Friday and everything. So sure, sure. Good for him. I'm, you know, I'm all about that when you can get something like that. Absolutely. It does look really nice. Um, I do know that uh, Tyler Crook does stuff with uh, Colin Bunn at Dark Horse for Harrow County, and that stuff is uh, really good in there as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think, uh, oh, you know what? Your last push here for the uh, football pool. How's, uh, how's everyone looking? Um, I was just on that, and uh, I'm not number one, 
So like, who cares? But um, it's it's bottlenecked up there. I'm trying to see who is uh, number one right now as I'm trying to get to it because I'm very very slow in this kind of stuff. But uh, read. Oh my God, leading the the charge is someone named Hairstar Two Star Harder. So I may shut all this down now. <laughs> but uh, no, um, uh, good luck to him. But I'm I'm only three uh, picks behind him, so I have a chance. Um, and it's all bottled up after that. So there's still time. Yep. There's still time. Many, many, many weeks, Joe. Don't you worry. Yeah. Uh, so now I guess it's time to get into the TV shows. Yes, we could do that. So I'm going to say let's talk about Hawkeye first, if that's okay with you. That is fine. Uh, let me get to my notes. Uh, so Hawkeye, uh, much of it. Uh, much of the first half of the episode is uh, the Echo origin story. And I asked last week if we're supposed to know that this is Echo, right? Mm-hmm. And the episode title, I think, is like called Echoes to begin with. Right. And I never got a chance to finish the Daredevil TV show, so I don't know if this person, who in the credits is not named Echo, but she very much is Echo, Um, so again, it's just very interesting to me that they would kind of introduce this character, uh, under the guise that we should know who this person is, especially if we weren't reading the comics. Um, but they do a good job of, uh, making her credible, putting her over. I don't remember if from the comics she had the prosthetic leg like she does here in the TV show. That I don't remember, but I know she it was she couldn't hear in the comic. Right, she was deaf, right? And she was initially set up as a daredevil adversary, rival, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Yes. So she moves into this, and these, obviously, Hawkeye episodes are leaning a little bit more heavily than the movies did in the fact that, you know, Hawkeye is also not deaf, but, you know, hard of hearing enough that he needs a hearing aid. Right, just like the, uh, what is it, the AHA, AJA issues and stuff like that. Yes. So they have a fight with her who's leading the Russians, but it's revealed that her relative, her caretaker, her whomever that was, was also, I'm sorry? I believe it was her father. Okay. I wasn't sure because like they, at one point they say uncle, so I don't know if they were referring to him as the uncle or if they were referring to Kingpin as the uncle. Well, is it Kingpin, Joe? We don't know. Uh, he en- he ends up saying he's like, oh, your uncle, I'll, you know, your uncle will pick you up from practice. Your uncle, this or that. Okay. And at the end, she was like, oh, after he died, all I had was my uncle. And I like obviously, probably not her real uncle, uh-huh. but uh, in the comic, spoiler alert, I think it was the Kingpin who was her uncle. They even called him that. But yeah. I'm wondering if it's going to be. Uh, I'm wondering if it's going to be uh, Orson Welles who plays him. In the in the in the TV show on Hawkeye. Oh, you mean Thor from Adventures in Babysitting? All the same character, right? Uh, so obviously she's uh, on the path to try to take Ronan down. Now that Ronan is back, because Ronan killed her father, who, while a nice guy, was also up to no good. Obviously, in the employ uh, of the Kingpin, uh, they have a fight. Uh, she kind of gets the better of Hawkeye for a bit, so much so that. She, she stomps on his uh, hearing aid, which puts him at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, 
Clint and Kate make a getaway. She wants to steal the cool car. He goes <laughs> for the piece of junk car. And he's like, I'm not busting a window on that car. That's which a I great thought, scene. Which is a great scene. Um, then as they're making their getaway, he, Hawkeye, is trying to get Kate to drive. But obviously he can't relay that to her because of the 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 hearing issue. So he's driving the car. Bear is driving car. How could that be? Uh, <laughs> and then Kate has to shoot kind of cover them as the Russians and Echo are hot on their trail and the only arrows that he has are her uh, are his trick arrows so while he's driving he's like can't use that one can't use that one can't use this one and then he's like okay you can use this one and use this one so we do get some fun bits with some of Hawkeye's trick arrows which I thought was really awesome stuff Mm -hmm. and I love the fact that she's trying to ask him what the arrows do but he can't hear it's all muffled yeah so I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And then like when she uses one, she's like, wait a minute, there are two more arrows in your quiver that are more dangerous than the one I just used. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And the whole bit, like them miscommunicating is fantastic. And the car chase is one of the most cinematic things I've seen in a Marvel anything. Like that car chase could is ridiculously shot. Like it's so done well. Right, so they end up getting away. Um, they end up now focusing more on trying to figure out how Jack is involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go back to Kate's mother's house. Uh, before they do, they end up naming Pizza Dog Pizza Dog. Again, inconsequential. The Pizza Dog stuff, while funny, it only works, I think, if you've read the comic books, because here it just kind of feels like forced in, you know? Uh, I would disagree because you hate animals and uh, I look at it as the, like, I didn't know, you know, it was, it was, uh, Loki Gator wasn't forced in. People are going to love Pizza Dog because he's a dog and he's in this show and, and that's sure. what it's going to be. You know what I mean? So. Uh, so as Kate is attempting to hack into her mother's computer with her password, she ends up getting locked out. And the the episode ends with as the you know she's she's trying to explain to Clint like why it's suspicious, um that uh what was the Jack Duquesne father's name like Anton maybe yes Anton okay. Duquesne. So as the episode ends, uh Hawkeye walks out and we see Duquesne hold a sword to Hawkeye, but it's not just any sword; it's the Ronin retractable sword that his father had purchased at the auction back in episode one. There's also a bit in the episode where Hawkeye, without his hearing aid, is trying to communicate uh, on the phone with his youngest son uh, about being home for the holidays, and Kate is doing her best to kind of relay this information to a Hawkeye that cannot hear the phone, but she could hear the kid talking on the phone. And again, I get the emotional resonance that they were going with that, but I just felt that that was a little clunky as well. But again, and A for effort. That was my favorite scene in the other than the car chase was my favorite scene in the whole show. Yeah, I have is, no heart. I have no heart, Todd. You do. You you hate the dog and you hate the fact that the thing that probably helps melt uh, Hawkeye to Kate is like, you went out of your way to help me communicate with my son while he's sad about Christmas. And I'm like, this is this is great. I'm like, this is all, all the, and the other thing that I would like to mention is the, uh, the van, the trucks that the, that the tracksuit mafia were driving. Did you see what they said on the side? No, I don't recall. Oh, it was, uh, it was like cleaning bros or something. No, it was trust a bro moving company. 
Oh, okay. I know it's something grows. Yep, that totally cracked me up. And then I have a question for you. Uh, now, uh, Jack has the sword, Ronan's sword, up to Hawkeye's throat. And, like, we're going to see what happens next. They know each other, right? That's what's going to happen, right? I mean, <sighs> like, we know in the comic they have a history together. I just have a feeling it's going to be like, hey, Jack, hey, hey, Clint. That's what's going to happen. And we're going to get how they know each other. I'll, I'll be interested. To see. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to know, like, Hawkeye obviously can't sell that he recognizes the sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But I just mean, because in the comic, that, that, was, that was his mentor. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, and I do like with the, with Echo that they don't know, they still don't know that Clint or Kate, like they think Kate maybe, but they still don't know that Clint was Ronan. They're like, just tell us who's in the suit. So there's a lot going on that I, that I just, I really like the Hawkeye episodes. So. Yeah. I liked it too. Like I said, just a few little nitpicks cause I have no soul, you know? True. True. So what do you want to do next? I say we we just capture the spirit of Bebo, and then we'll go on to we'll finish big with your favorite Doctor Who. Oh boy! Okay. Uh so Bebo saves Christmas. Um, this was an animated Christmas special, which I was very much aware of. <laughs> right. Um, I wasn't sold a bill of goods, and then was disappointed by what I got. Uh, I will say this, Todd. Since uh this aired, I've watched this twice. Oh, okay. Once once alone and once with the family right before we uh, recorded tonight. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, so to say that I liked it, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, you know, I, I'm this is one of those times. Uh, so uh, the broad strokes of this is, is you, know, you all know Bebo from Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, this is his animated Christmas adventure of him trying to convince the other people of... Bowtown, yes, uh, to get the Christmas spirit back. But of course, either people are grumpy, too worried about social media, or too worried about getting the uh, gift. gifts for getting gifts for their kids. That they're that Bebo feels that they're missing the magic of Christmas. Uh, Bebo gets a return letter from Santa. That's a form letter, uh, and feels that there must be something wrong with Santa. So he decides to go. Uh, to to the North Pole to see what's wrong with Santa, enlist the help of the other characters who have these very specific defined character traits that we just mentioned. They go to the North Pole to find out that everything has been automated and that Santa and the elves have all been fired <laughs> because of a, I don't want to say evil, but a very uh, misinformed, uh, misguided elf by the name of Sprinkles. And lots of Christmas hilarity ensues, and we all learn the lesson that what makes you happy at Christmas doesn't make everybody else happy at Christmas. Right. And uh, I want to I want to give big kudos to uh, Eugene Gremby of the Wool Council for yes. getting that getting that fat paycheck for doing six lines in the home in the whole show. <laughs> Well, he did the beginning and he did the end. He was the narrator. Right. And then Bebo stole the narration from him, but gave it back at the end. And I was like, oh, my God. He literally had, like, six lines in this whole show. Good for him. Uh, getting that 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 fat CW paycheck. But I'm going to say in the end, I thought this was an okay. It made me laugh a couple of times. 
Um, obviously, the, I, I thought there was only, and I know I'm getting deep into it now. I thought the only fun song was the one in the beginning, the La 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 one. Um, then after that, they were really like, they could have got, I don't know, Paul Williams or something to write some of oh. those songs. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I was just like, all right. Uh, the show, okay, the songs were killing me. They were bad. Uh, not too hung up on the songs in a Christmas special. They're, you know, narrative devices. You have to have X. If you're a Christmas special and it's X times long, you have to have, you know, Y times songs in it. It, it was fine. Um, I like the bit when Santa gets the job at the fake Starbucks. And Santa's like, well, no, maybe I'll just uh, not be Santa anymore. Maybe my usefulness has run out. And then everything that Santa in the song suggests for himself to do ends up just him doing Santa stuff in those, whether it be going to college or being in a play or otherwise. And then Bebo's like, yeah, that's fine. We'll just get the Easter bunny or Cupid or a leprechaun to take your place. And uh, obviously this is a children's show. So they couldn't lean into like really beating on the Irish with the leprechaun, which I was very appreciative of. (laughs) Um, But I feel bad because I think this was definitely a lot of fun And I think that if this found a wider, bigger audience, I think more people would enjoy this. But because there's just so much media out there all the time to consume at every single moment, that this just is immediately lost media and no one will ever speak of this again, sadly. Right. I think it could have helped to maybe have some of the stars of Legends do voices, at least. Eugene Grimby of the Wool Council. Right, but you know what I mean. I don't know somehow of tying it into legends, but I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm the Christmas guy, and I'm not as big on this as you are. So, mm. uh, like I said, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I I I like I said, I watched it twice in the last week. You know, um, because I was telling my kid about it. He's like, oh, that sounds really funny. So we watched it, and everyone had a good laugh. Everyone had a good time with it. Well, I'm um, glad. But if you have, uh, you know, on any of your streaming devices, CW's app, you don't need to, like, be connect. Like, you know how, like, a lot of these network apps, like, well, if you don't actually have the network itself through, like, over-the-air cable or broadband or whatever it is, like, right, you can't right. watch our shows. Uh, but you can log into the CW app, and it's right there. Yep, because the CW is free over, like, the airwaves, so they give it to you free streaming, too. Yeah, but definitely go check this out. If you have the CW app on whatever streaming device you have, uh, Apple TV or Fire Stick or whatever it is, uh, it's definitely worth the watch. Right. So now, Todd, I turn the show over to you for your time to shine. Yep, and getting ready to talk about your favorite show, which was the uh, season, the short season finale of Doctor Who. When Doctor Who, the Doctor was about to be killed by Swarm, and something happens, and it ends up splitting her off into three separate uh, beings, and she's running around. I'm not going to get into the minutia of who she's with at each time, but the one that you really need to know about is the one uh, with Azure and Swarm. And uh, then she goes off, and she's with one group, and they end up all getting pretty much together at some point. Um, and they decide that the Santarans are putting out this this uh, message to the universe. Hey, you know, Daleks and Cybermen meet up with us, truce, you know, and we'll we'll ride out this flux together. And the doctor's like, that doesn't make any sense. 
Um, so we're going to, we're going to go look into this. So the two groups go off, um, and she ends up running into Carvanista, who's the dog. And they find out that the Santarans had killed all of her people, his people, because they want the ships for something, the ones that can withstand the flux. And he's like, well, I'm going to kill you all. And the doctor and him start talking. He's like, you were one of my companions back in the day before I could remember. And he's like, yes, but I can't talk about it because the division and maybe her, we're not 100% sure, put something in my brain that if I talk about your past, it will poison me and kill me instantly. And that kind of like, I think is the catalyst that puts the doctor off from like even more with division. She's like, division is terrible. So she's like, all right, we're going to try and figure this out. She sends, uh, she ends up getting uh, Claire and Professor Jericho because of Claire's uh, psychic kind of powers that the Santarans are looking for something in particular, but they need psychics. So they send her and they're looking for the date that the flux finally shows up. And they're like, okay, because they want to bring all of the uh, Daleks and Cybermen there because the flux is antimatter and antimatter hits when it hits matter, it slows it down and it will slow down the flux. If they put all these bodies in front of it, they'll wipe out all their enemies and plus be around longer to rule the rubble. And they're like, that's a plan. She's like, Oh, what well, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do about this. And while that's going on, uh, Vinder and uh, Di is her name. They're inside one of the passengers. They get out for a second and they contact the doctor. They show up. Bell gets his reunion with Vinder, which I really liked. And Di gets her reunion with Dan. And uh, along the way, we got the we got Yaz back with the doctor. And it's all like, oh, hey, we're all finally together. So that's cool. And they have the idea. They're like, well, if there's infinite amount of space and matter inside the passenger, couldn't we throw that in front of the flux? And that would stop it because matter and antimatter, like great idea. So they end up using the ships to uh, not protect the Santarans, but go away from them. The Santarans, the, the Dalek and the Cybermen all get messed up and passenger ends up, uh, what do you call it? Stopping the flux and they're like, yay, like we kind of did it. Um, while this is going on, the doctor with Azure and the swarm are uh, like, okay, we're going to take you this, all this flux thing was to release time, our God. And we're going to go take you there and be, you're going to be the sacrifice. They get there, but because the other two doctors stopped it, the, the uh, God can't be free. And he ends up killing, he punishes the Azure and, swarm you know he's like i'm gonna give you what you want which is oblivion and uh you know i'm the god and he's like i'm not gonna get out but she tells uh the doctor she could the doc the god can take whatever form and he's like i dressed as her i was like you know what you didn't let me out but i know what's gonna come your time is coming your death there's no more regenerations and why you know watch out for this master plan so we think the master's coming and she ends up leaving and she has the uh the uh watch with her memories in it and uh she goes back along the way professor sacrificed himself um, we end up getting a couple of things with uh, the uh, serpent guy, which I don't even understand. That's 
uh, something going on there. They end up stranding him in space. Like he stranded Vinder on that space station. He gets his revenge. And in the end, like people go on their way with uh, Bell and Vinder and Carvanista go off on their own, which would be a great spinoff. And the doctor's like, we're going to go do these adventures, Dan and uh, Yaz, because Di doesn't want anything to do with Dan after she mi- he missed the date. He had good reason, which again, doesn't make any sense. And she ends up, she, the doctor at the end is going to drop the memories that she has into the TARDIS and tells the TARDIS, hide these where I can never find them. And you think that's the end of it. She goes, unless I ask you for them. And she drops it and she puts the panel back. Um, to tell you the truth, I, I try to ram through this episode because this episode to me is like Endgame of uh, Avengers. I love the bits and pieces of it. We have three different doctors. So at no point do we have any scenes without the doctor, but a lot of this stuff is just not explained at the end. It's like, maybe we'll get it in some of these specials. I have no idea what the grand, like what the grand serpents plan in all of this was, has no rhyme or reason why he should be there. I have lots of problems with this episode, but I have lots of scenes that I love. So once again, it's an amazing Doctor Who episode because all episodes of Doctor Who are amazing. What did you think, Joe? You know what this episode needed, Todd? What? More stuff going on. Right. It felt a little light, you know? (laughs) Are Um, you being sarcastic, Joe? I'm being very sarcastic, Todd. Right. Because it was the last episode and because they're cramming so much to wrap so much up, they introduced minimally, at least, on, and I'll say this, on the babyface side, like four brand new characters, five brand new characters. Spoilers killed off one of the brand new characters. So you really don't even get a chance to get assimilated, again, pun intended, or, or, or accustomed or attached to these characters before they're either like gone or there's not enough time to fill them out and then like, now we got to wrap some stuff up. Now we got to move these characters' plots on. Now we've got to open up the next plot threads for the next threads. And at least for this season, and I know that you said because there was three doctors, the doctor was in every scene. But because the doctor was ever in every scene, the doctor stuff was spread so thin throughout this episode. It, it really didn't give that time to resonate or really for me to connect with any of the stuff. Um, I did like the Santerans plan, and I think if this episode was just like, here's, it's, you know, the flux is happening, the Santerans plan is this, they're going to get all their enemies here, we need to stop this from happening. Mm-hmm. And if that was it, I feel as though you have a good episode there. But there's nine other things going on all at the same time. And I'm going to throw something out at you. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that all this was shot in the pandemic in isolation that they wanted. They wanted as many characters as they could have, but have to keep them separate. You know what I mean? Because you had quarantine established and stuff like that. Like going back and I don't want to go back too many episodes, but remember when bell gets to that thing and they have the passenger there and the guy's like, Oh, it's, he's going to take us to the thing. And she's like, no, you go in that. That's a prison. I know what that is. He tells her, he's like, Oh, when we're here, the, the powers don't work unless we're all standing far apart. If we're on top of each other, you don't get taken. I'm like, that's for social distancing for these big shots. I feel like as we were watching this, it was like, get as many characters as we can because it'll get boring after a while. If we have the, like four characters doing everything over, we can't have all these extras and we can't have all this. So spread it thin. 
spread it thin as you can and just throw plot line on top of plot line on top of plot line. And it'll seem like we have a full episode, a finale, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that there was the bit with the one Centaurin who was going for the American snacks and they kind of dangle something over him. Then they're mm. going to teach him how to make his own American chocolate at home. Right. Or Earth chocolate or whatever it was. And was that ever like brought up again or resolved? No, or No, right. it was just like, oh, we're going to use it. Yeah, it's like a lot happens and then goes away. And like I said, we never like the, the Grand Serpent was take took down unit from the inside. Why did he take down? unit? We never got mentioned like Vinder, um, you know, blew the whistle on him. But in, we never found out like if that ousted him or whatever, because Vinder got set to the farthest regions of space and they end up. And then they're like, oh, well, the Grand Serpent was ousted as as his power because of this. OK, that I can buy, even though you never say it. But how does he hook up with the Santarans and why does he hook up with the Santarans to take Earth down? Like that's never mentioned. Um, though I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I believe I have this weird, uh, uh, theory that the grand serpent is actually the master again in a different regeneration. Hmm. That's the, that's the play. Like when the, when the God says, watch out for the master plan or the master, or whatever, we think it's going to be the, the one from the beginning of the doctors, this, this 13 doctors run, but there's a new one and he's, they're going to show up. I don't know this, this, this Chris, uh, Chibnall is just like just wearing thin uh, by the end. I'm, I can't wait for these three episodes to be done after this. Yeah. So, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Ugh. <laughs> it was something, I guess. I watched it, you know. But now we're going to be free and clear. All we have is uh, Hawkeye for a while until right. we get to Boba Fett. Right. So, well, okay. So next week, all next week, all we have is. Uh, uh, a Hawkeye, right? Right. Week after that, there's a very good chance uh, that we'll have Spider-Man as well. Oh, that is true, yeah. Right, because Spider-Man comes out next week, and then the week after that would be, um, you know, uh, Book of Fett, which kind of kisses up against uh, the end of Hawkeye, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They're not the same week. That's right. Well, would they be? On, I don't think they're going to be on the same episode is what I'm saying. Right, right. So then, yeah, it'll thin out now. It'll be nice. We'll definitely have short shows from here on out. Easy breezy, yes. Mm -hmm. Lemon peasy. All right, well, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening to episode 584 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.